Well, good morning, church. It's good to see all of you guys this morning. So glad you're here. Once again, we want to welcome those online, as well as those who are maybe here for the first time. We're grateful that you're here, a part of things. As we get to worship together, we get to hear from God's word together. Uh, before we jump into stuff, I got to just say, John and Alyssa are, are friends of ours. Uh, we love them. We've, I got a chance to serve with them. This is a picture of John and I a few years ago. Um, John and I, a lot of times, would be... Um, mistaken for one another <laughs> the last church we out we would find random people would walk up and start talking to me thinking i'm a john we got to a point where we had to take notes and then just pass it to one another because people would talk randomly to us about random things but but we love john and Alyssa. we love uh, that we get to be a part of things together and continue ministering together it's a it's a powerful thing and your as amber said your giving your consistent giving is what allows us to do that uh you can take that picture it's a little awkward of me with my I was, actually, I pulled that picture up and I was looking at it. I'm like, oh man, my, my beard was a lot darker just like five years ago. <laughs> so many more white hairs here than I used to have. Um, but but we, were, uh, we talk about this idea of, of giving around here. As, and one of the things that we challenge everyone in our congregation to is the tithe. That we give our first 10% to the Lord. And as a congregation, we do the very same thing. The first 10% that comes in through tithes and offering, we send right back out these doors to support missionaries and missions organizations around the world. We've got about 60 missionaries and missionary organizations that we're supporting on a monthly basis. And so that's amazing. But above and beyond that, we've got people in our church that want to give at a higher level. Right? They say, you know what? I don't want to just want to tithe. I want to give above and beyond. I want to invest in things that are eternal, things that matter. And that's what we call our kingdom builders as we give to projects and support different things at a, at a higher level. And so over this past year, uh, we challenged at the beginning of the year, I put a crazy dream out there before the congregation. Could we give a half a million dollars out our doors this year toward missions and missions organizations and what God is doing around the world? And one of the ways that we do that is through kingdom builders, our above and beyond giving. And so to do that, if we're going to hit a half million dollars, we'd have to give somewhere around a quarter of a million dollars through Kingdom Builders. And so this is a challenge. And there's been so many of you giving faithfully over this last year. We've already gone over $100,000 so far this year, which is of the same amount that we gave all of last year. And so we're believing, could we still see $150,000 come in before the end of the year? One of the ways that we do that is we have our Kingdom offering. And on November 20th, We've got our kingdom offering coming up. It's an opportunity for all of us to engage and say, how can we give? How can we partner with what God is doing in the world to invest in things that matter? And so I want you to prayerfully consider, would you be a part of that on our kingdom offering on November 20th? I just heard a testimony this past week from one of our partners. I had lunch with uh, Will Jones. And uh, it was about two years ago, just less than two years ago, he came on a Sunday and shared about something. And through Kingdom Builders, we gave an offering of $7,000 to invest in something he called the Philip Project was this new initiative to bring the gospel in places in Africa that currently didn't have a church. And he, he gave me a, a testimony. He said, Greg, you were the very first church to invest in this. And since then, we've been able to bring the gospel to 128,000 people who've never heard it before. We've seen 17,000 decisions for Christ and planted 41 churches over the last two years. That's the kind of stuff we invest in, right? How many know when you buy a new pair of shoes or a new shirt, next year it's going to be worthless? Okay, but when you invest in things that are eternal, that's souls for the kingdom of God for all of eternity. And that's the kind of stuff we invest in. So I want to encourage you, November 20th, be a part of that Sunday. We've got Pastor Micah is going to share a powerful message that day. But let's be prepared to be generous as God has been generous to us. Amen. All right, we're going to uh, dive back into our series as we are in the series Kingdom Living as we're going through the Sermon on the Mount. I want to encourage you next Sunday, do not miss. Next Sunday, in addition to the fact that it's Costume Sunday for the kids, uh, so bring your kids with some costumes. We're going to have fun next week. Next week, I'm going to answer the question, 
how do you pray? Did you ever have those moments where you're like, I know I'm supposed to pray, but I like start praying and 15 seconds later, I'm like, I'm out of things to say. I don't know how, I don't know how this works in my life. What is this supposed to look like in my life? So if that's ever been something you've wrestled or struggled with, we're going to dig into that next week. So I would encourage you to be here next Sunday. But if you've got your Bibles, would you turn with me uh, to Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 33. Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 33. And if you would, would you stand with me as we're going to read our primary text here this morning? If you're a guest, there's nothing sacred about this. It's our tradition to say, God, we honor your word over my words. I'm going to be jumping around a little bit here. So follow with me. Matthew chapter 5, verse 33 says this. Again, you have heard that it was said to people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all. Verse number 38. You've heard it said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. Verse number 43. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. God, we come today, all of us, me included, we all come under the authority of your word. And we pray, God, that we would hear your word, we would be responsive to your word, and we would go live your word out. And so, God, speak to our hearts today. We open our ears and our hearts to you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. You can be seated. All right, I want to take a survey this morning as we get started. I want to have a little confession time. So I want you to turn to your neighbor, and, and you're going to answer this question. How often do you make your bed? Okay? But I got three answers for you. Hang on. I got three answers for you. You have these options. Option number one, always. Two, never, or sometimes, and never. I couldn't possibly think of a bigger waste of time. Okay? Tell your neighbor, go and tell your neighbor. Okay, 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 okay. All right, all right, show of hands. I want you to be honest here, all right? How many answer is always? Raise your hand. You always make your bed. Oh, man, you guys, okay. Okay, how many say sometimes? Raise your hand. Now I'm going to say never. I couldn't possibly think of a bigger waste of time. <laughs> exactly. There you go. There you go. Okay. I'm in that camp. Like I, I tell my wife all the time, if it was up to me, there's not a bigger waste of time. Like in 15 hours, I'm getting back in that bed. What is the point of making a bed? Okay. But I tell my wife as well, I will make the bed. And every time you see that bed made, you should receive it as an act of love. Because there is literally nothing in me that wants to make that bed. I only do it as an act of love for my wife. All right. So, Because I, I, I don't really think your sloppiness when it comes to your bed, I don't really think it matters that much, okay? I'm going to be honest. But when it comes to our faith, Jesus has something to say about sloppiness, okay? And, and he's going to really challenge us a bit today. Uh, the, we look at kind of the context of the passage that we just read this morning. Remember, we're in the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus comes, and he's, he's preaching about the kingdom of God, what it looks like to live under the rule and the reign of God. He gives some of the values of that, and then he comes talking about the fact that he came to fulfill the Old Testament. Remember, we shared that a few weeks ago, that he came to complete, to fill up the Old Testament, and then Jesus begins to dig into the idea of righteousness, like doing right things. It's not righteousness according to you. It's righteousness according to what God has said. Our job is to be responsive that we would pursue righteousness. But it's not just under our own strength because what's the good news of the gospel? It says that when we follow Christ, he puts his Holy Spirit in us. 
right? So it's the power of God, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us, and he is empowering us to live a different way, to live under his kingdom, under his rule in a different way than everyone else. That's the beauty of the good news of the gospel. And so there's a principle that I shared with you last week that we're going to look at again this week, and it's this. Whenever Jesus raises the bar, and he does this on righteousness, he raises the bar. Whenever he raises the bar, he clarifies kingdom values. And so last week we looked at three instances of Jesus raising the bar. And there were three different things that we talked about. Number one, the value of marriage. And I said our call is to cherish it. He raised the value on purity, sexual purity specifically, but purity. And it said, listen, if there's something impure, we need to cut it off. Take it serious. And lastly, raising the bar on reconciliation. And if there's something funky, we need to go deal with it. All right? We need to lean into those relationships. And so this morning we're going to look at these three other areas. And so if you got your Bibles, look with me. Verse number 33, we just read it. It said this again. You have heard that it was said to people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all. Now, what is he talking about there? That seems like a random thing for Jesus to be talking about. Uh, he's doing something that a lot of us do on a regular basis. Have any of you ever found yourself telling somebody something and say, I promise, I swear, I swear to God, or the, the one is a child, cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle in my eye. Anybody remember saying that? Okay. You're like, I'm, this is true. Why do we say this kind of thing? Like, why do we try to feel like we need to affirm something? Because what we just said maybe isn't able to stand on its own. And so what Jesus is doing, he's raising the bar on oaths. He's raising the bar on this whole idea of swearing things. And in turn, he's clarifying one of the kingdom truths, which is this, truth. The kingdom value of truth. Why do we make oaths? Why do we swear? It's because we want people to believe us, but we don't think that we're believable. Because the words that come out of our mouth may not always be truth. And so we're like, no, 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 this time I'm serious. This time, I re you can really believe me on this one. And so this is what is happening here. You look at the passage, verse 34, it says this. I tell you, don't swear an oath at all. Don't swear what? Either by heaven, for it's God's throne, or by earth, for it's his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. What are these people doing? Like, if you can't believe, well, I swear, I swear by heaven. I swear, I'm, try, I'm trying to prove to you that this thing is true. So I swear by things, which humorous is he's swearing by things that they have no control over. You don't even have control, trust me. You don't have control over whether your hair is black or white. Like, you're like, some, sometimes you get those ones. How many of you are pluckers? When you find a white one, you pluck that thing out your head, okay? Right? That happens sometimes. He's like, you don't have control over that stuff. It's like, why are you swearing by that stuff? And so instead, what does Jesus say? He says, no, verse 37, all you need to say is simply yes or no. What's Jesus saying? Speak the truth. Just speak the truth. In every circumstance, speak the truth. If you ever get into a place, oh, no, no, I'm being honest this time, then that, that means there's been other times where you haven't been. And he's challenging us, listen, kingdom people, we have this value of truth in our life. We don't dance around it. We don't play around it. We don't look to deceive. We don't look to skirt the issues at all. No, we are people that speak the truth in every circumstance. And there's times when I tell you this, and I've spoken this before, that at times we can feel like God's laws are restrictive when in reality they're protective. What do I mean by that? Because it's really easy when we see things like that or say, okay, I just can't lie. That's the rule. God gave us the rule, don't lie. Okay, don't lie. No, he said speak truth. 
He's inviting us into something better. Have you ever told a lie or deceived someone a bit at some point and found yourself having to lie again or deceive a little bit again to cover up the first thing you said? See, that's what a lack of truth does. It entraps you in a position where you can't control. Like, I'm constantly having to lie and deceive and remember, what did I say? I can't remember the lie I told that person, so I have to kind of try. See, what, what Jesus is trying to say is, I'm inviting you into something better. If you want to experience kingdom freedom, it's not found when we get a little loose with the truth. Freedom in the kingdom of God comes when it's grounded in truth. Would, we, would my men and women, would the people of the kingdom of God, would they be people of truth? Their yes is yes, their no is no. There's no dancing around the issue. It is speaking the truth. And I want to give a question for you to help meddle with this one a little bit in your own life. And the question is this. Is there a person or situation where you are fuzzy with the truth? Think about it in your life. Is there a person, situation, maybe it's a spouse, Maybe it's a kid. Maybe it's your boss. Right? Maybe it's a teacher. Maybe it's a parent. Is there someone where you're fuzzy with the truth? Where maybe you would say, you know what, I don't really have integrity in this one. I like to kind of just deceive a little bit. You know, I'm not doing it like this overt. I'm not lying. I'm not good at lying, Greg. But I'm not completely honest here. And I dance around a little bit. Maybe there's an issue of purity where you kind of hide it a little bit. You don't speak the truth. You're not honest about these things. Maybe it's an issue where we just simply don't follow through. People would say, I can't trust what they say because what they say is not always what they do. This one can challenge us. Would your kids say that you're trustworthy? Would your spouse say that you're trustworthy? Would your boss say that you're trustworthy? Where your yes is yes and your no is no. This is something we got to challenge ourselves. Because Jesus is saying, listen, you can be my kingdom people, but they are built on truth. They speak truth. So we go on in the passage, and we get to the next section. It says this. You have heard, verse number 38, you have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. Now, Jesus is quoting the Old Testament here. He's quoting the Old Testament. And some people hate this phrase. They're like, how in the world could a loving God tell people, oh, if you take my eye, take their eye, tooth, and how in the world could a loving guy God say this? And I want to give you a two seconds of little just understanding to be able to, to get some context for this, and it's this, that we have a tendency to look at Scripture and look at everything in our life from the vantage point of us being a Christian in the year 2022, living in a nation that, that is built on Judeo-Christian values. That's how we view everything. So when we look in the past, we say, how in the world could somebody ever do that? How could they ever think that way? And we look at this law that God gave them, which said, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. And we're like, how in the world could God say that? That's horrible. That's so crass. What we need to understand is that Jesus or God was raising up a people out of the land of Canaan, out of a bunch of people who were horrible and disgusting. And the things they were doing were vile and awful. The way they were killing, they were killing children, sacrificing kids. Their sexuality was disgusting. And God was raising a people up out of this. And in his process, his journey of raising this people out, he began to give them some commands to set boundaries and begin to build a different type of people. So he gives this command in Exodus chapter 21. Read this with. It says, but if there is a serious injury, somebody hurts somebody, you are to take life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, Wound for wound, bruise for bruise. And you say, why in the world would God give this command? Like, why in the world would he give this command? There's two purposes. Number one, God was helping define justice for these people. They had no understanding of justice. 
Jess was like, whatever I want to do is just, he's like, no, 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 no. You don't just get to go out there and just give vengeance however you want to, wherever you want to. That's not how this works. There is an understanding of justice being this equal damage. That's what we're talking about. But it's more than that. He is also limiting retribution. Because what would happen? You take my eye, I kill you and your kids and your family. It was out of control. And God is saying, hey, there are boundaries around this. I am setting a limit. So when we look at that, we're like, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. That's horrible. No, that's crazy raising the bar in their society. Their bar was so much lower than that. He's he's already raised the bar. And so what we see here is that Jesus is once again raising the bar when it comes to this whole idea. And as he raises the bar on this whole idea, he clarifies the values of true or grace and forgiveness. Grace and forgiveness. Uh, you know, there's two cornerstones that I see in scripture. Uh, two of the most important cornerstones when it comes to the gospel are these ideas of grace and forgiveness. Uh, grace, you know what grace means? Grace is what? It's unmerited favor. It's you getting what you don't deserve. You getting the whole idea of faith is that we get what we don't deserve. Like God has given us, by grace, we get, it's crazy, this idea. And that's what grace is. Forgiveness is, on the other hand, is this whole idea, uh, again, of getting something we don't deserve, but, but it's done in the context of us saying, like, it's the antithesis of revenge. Like, we deserve something else. Like, we deserve, God, God should do something to us because of some of the sin that we have in our life, but instead, God offers forgiveness to us. It's the antithesis of revenge. It's the antithesis of vengeance. And so these two values that we see are crazy. We look at Ephesians chapter 2. What does it say? Ephesians chapter 2 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. It goes on in Ephesians chapter 1, and it says this, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he has lavished on us. So these two values, grace and forgiveness, these are things that are given to us. And what Jesus is saying, listen, I'm expecting my people to do the same thing. You're going to be my people. You're going to be someone who offers grace. You're going to be someone who offers forgiveness. You're going to be someone who offers unmerited favor toward people. Rather than trying to seek vengeance and retribution, you're going to be someone who seeks to forgive someone, to extend what someone else maybe doesn't Deserve. And so he gives a bunch of examples of these. So what's he say? Verse number 39. He says, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other cheek also. You might think, oh, just getting punched. No, right cheek, what is the right cheek? It's this side. How do you hit the right cheek? A backhanded slap. So this isn't just injury, this is insult. When someone insults you, yep, you're going to turn the other cheek. He goes on, says this. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. You might not realize this. They could sue for your shirt. They couldn't sue for your coat. And Jesus is saying, you know what? Give them the coat anyways. Even though they don't have the legal right to ask for it, give it to them anyways. He goes on and says, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. You know what that is? That's called Roman compulsion. The Romans had the ability to actually go up and force you to carry their stuff for a mile. And Jesus is saying, if they force you to carry it for a mile, you take it another mile. And then he goes on and says, give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Jesus is calling us to this generous, open-handed living, not this tight-fisted way of living. He's calling us to this generous living, and it's, it's crazy. And I can imagine what some of you are saying. Some of you are probably thinking, well, so, Greg, I can't defend myself. Like if somebody slaps me, I just kind of get, get punched. You just keep punching me. Let them keep punching me. 
Okay, there is a point in the Gospels where Jesus tells his disciples to go get a sword. So what I don't think is being said here, I don't think Jesus is simply giving some extreme pacifism that says, you know, you're never allowed to defend yourself. Listen, I'm going to tell you, if you do anything to my wife or my kids, you're going to have to get through me, okay? Like, I may not look tough, but I'll bite your kneecaps, okay? I will, right? Like, don't. Like, I'm going to defend my children. I don't think what he's saying, hey, let them just beat your children. No, no, I don't think that's what's being said here, okay? But, but I would say this as well, that I would guess that some of you are saying, won't I be taken advantage of if I live this way? Like, won't I be taken advantage of? And, yep. Yeah, you will. But think about Jesus. He was perfect. Did nothing wrong. Righteous in every way, and yet he was beaten, he was bruised, nails in both hands, crown of thorns on his head, carrying his cross up, spear in the side, all this. He did all those things, right? He's just getting beat to a pummel, and what were the words that came out of Jesus' mouth? Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And when you hear this teaching, I don't know about you, it's a hard teaching, like, I hear that one, I'm like, oh, man. And if it's, if it's challenging you, if you're, like, struggle with this one, good, because I think that was Jesus' intention. Because he's saying, listen, the way that you want to respond in those moments, that's the way of the world. But my kingdom people, I'm calling to a higher level. And so if this one messes with you, and it probably will, I would encourage you to take this one to prayer and to give the Holy Spirit space to begin to transform your heart a bit to begin to shape you a little bit because I think he wants to do something new in us. So I want to ask you a question uh, I want you to wrestle with, and it's this. Who do you need to forgive or show grace to? Is there somebody in your life that you need to, you need to give them unmerited, unmerited favor? Like, they don't deserve it, but you're going to extend grace anyways. Is there somebody who has hurt you, and your desire is vengeance and retribution, but God is saying, could you choose forgiveness instead? And as I've said, remember, when you don't forgive someone, who are you hurting? Yourself. You're the one that gets caught in bondage. And so Jesus is merely inviting people, saying, listen, come, I'm inviting you into something better. I'm giving you freedom. I want to offer you that freedom, but it's found if you live out kingdom values of grace and forgiveness, all right? So we go on the passage. We get to verse number 43 and says this. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Now, the first part of this is scripture. Love your neighbor. We all know the scripture, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. The second part that says hate your enemy, that's not even Bible. But these people were quoting it. And how many of you know we have a tendency to quote things that aren't even in the Bible? <laughs> like, we say things all the time like, I don't actually think that's in the Bible. That's what they were doing here. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. You've misunderstood what a neighbor is. Because they thought neighbor just meant other Jews, other people like them. And Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan, you know that story? To blow up their vision of what a neighbor is. A neighbor is everyone. Even that person you hate and despise that's totally different from you, that's your neighbor. And Jesus is saying, listen, I, I ask you and I'm commanding you to do something different. So he's raising the bar on neighbor and he exposes the value of love. Now I want to clarify what love is. Because biblical love is not what a lot of times we talk about in our world, right? Biblical love is not emotions and feeling. Oh, I just feel so good. I just love that person so much. Oh, they just give me fuzzies every time I'm around. That's, I just, that's not biblical love, okay? It's not your emotions. It's not your feelings, okay? 
Uh, Biblical love is not blind affirmation for whatever somebody thinks or feels. That's not love. Love is not coddling someone in whatever they're dealing with. It's not avoiding the truth. It's avoiding speed. It's none of those things, okay? Biblical love, I think it's easiest to understand it when we recognize how God has treated us and how he's responded up. And how does God treat us? He pursues us. Like he desires what's best for us. He calls out, he, he speaks into our, he speaks truth into our lives. He's actually working for our good, even if it means sacrificing himself. That's what love looks like from the Father. And he's saying, listen, think about your enemy, that person that you don't like, that person that naturally you hate. Treat them that way. Pursue good for them. I'm not saying you gotta feel it, because we don't always feel it with people. You got people in your life when you see them, you're like, oh, right? I'm not saying you got to feel loving toward them. You need to act loving toward them. You need to desire what's best for them. Pursue what is good for them. That's what Jesus is calling us to. And then he raises the bar even further, which is mind-boggling. He says, don't just love them. What are you supposed to do? Pray for them. And not like the Pharisee prayer, like, oh, God, thank you that I'm not like that sinner. And not the get him prayer. Anybody pray to get him prayer? Dear Jesus, go get him. God, get them. My enemy, just smite them, Lord, with your power. That's not what he's saying. Saying, pray blessing over them as one who loves them. Not one who feels loving, but who loves, who desires good for them. So you're going to pray God's best over their life. You're going to pray that God would do a work in their heart so that they could experience the, the Zoe life that you have experienced. That's what it means. Now, when you hear this one, if the last one was difficult, this one's real difficult, right? Like, you, that seems crazy to me. Like, that seems absolutely, that's not normal. Like, praying for people who have persecuted or hurt you, that's not normal. And once again, I think that's the point. Because normal is the kingdom of this world. And Jesus is calling us to a higher level. Would we live differently? And remember, we don't do this under our own power and strength. We do this under the power of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. He is calling to shape our hearts, to have a different way of functioning, not to live like the world does, but to live a different way. And as we do, as we as a body begin to live this way, we look different than the world does. When this place is grounded in truth, when this place expresses grace and forgiveness, when we love not just those who are like us, but those who are vastly different in a selfless, self-giving, self-sacrificing kind of way. We are a beacon of light in a world filled with darkness. That's what God is inviting us into. Your home could be a beacon of light in your community, in your area, on your block, as you live out kingdom values. And he's saying, listen, that's what I'm inviting you into. It's so much better than a world filled with retribution and anger and hatred. Right? That's what he invites us to. And so I want to ask the last question here, and it's this. Who do you need to start praying for? And I'm going to clarify that. Who's the person when you think of their name, they just kind of grate on you? The person you just can't stand, you know? You might be related to them. (laughs) They might be in your office. They might be at school. You say, I can't stand that person. Can't stand that person. What if you started praying blessing over their life? What if you began to look at them differently? You know what will happen? Not only will God do a work in their life, but he'll do a work in your heart. He'll begin to transform you. Because it's hard to pray blessing over somebody who you're despising. God will begin to shape you 
as you submit to him and say, God, I'm willing to do what's even uncomfortable for me a little bit, all right? So I want to get to our big so what. We're going to wrap this thing up here this morning, and it's this. Don't let God's grace be a license for sloppy faith. Don't let God's grace be a license for sloppy faith. A lot of us, we love the scriptures, you know, when it talks about, uh, you know, if we confess with our, uh, our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all righteousness. We love that verse because then it means like, ah, oh, Jesus, if I mess up, oh, Jesus, forgive me, not a big deal. And we can take our sin very, very lightly. And we don't really, oh, it's not that big of a deal. Jesus, grace, love, forgiveness, all those kind of things. It's so great. But we have to be careful that we don't allow God's grace to be a license to just get sloppy in our faith. Because his invitation isn't, isn't to just like, oh, no big deal. Sin's not that big a deal. No, sin is a huge deal. That's why he gave his son for us. Paid the penalty. But at times it's possible that we don't respond with the same level of just understanding of, of the gravity of sin. Paul wrote it this way in, in Romans chapter 6. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? And it says it this way in Hebrews. It says, if we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sin is left. How much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified them, and who has insulted the Spirit of grace? Got a bowling ball here. Anybody out there a bowler? Nope. Good. Oh, we got one. That's great. I, I find, um, like, I got pretty good hand-eye coordination, so I'm decent at most sports. I have no idea how to bowl. I'm horrible. Like, if I break 100, I get really excited. I'm just not a good bowler, okay? But how many of you have ever gone bumper bowling before? Okay. That's awesome. <laughs> Okay, why? If you don't know what bumper bowling is, in the gutters, they have these little things that pop up, so you literally can't throw a gutter ball. <laughs> Praise Jesus, right? And so you go up there, and you try, and I'm going to roll this thing, I'm going to throw it, I'm going to knock the pins down, right? But I know that if I, if I mess up, if I don't get it right, I know that the bumpers are there to help keep me going the right direction. But how stupid, how foolish would it be for me if I step up, and I go, and instead of trying to knock the pins down, which is the point right? I just turn sideways and I just kind of slam this thing straight into the bumper. Let's see. How, can, I, can I bounce it over the bumper? What can I do here? Can I just slam into this bumper? Like, if I keep doing that, you know what? They're going to come and kick me out. They're like, that's not the point. The bumpers are just there to help you get down there. Right? The goal isn't to slam into the bumper. The goal is to knock the pins down. And I know this is a crass example, but I, I just thought of this this past week that I think for, for many of us, the call for us as followers of Christ is our goal is to, to pursue righteousness, that we would walk out the plan, God, and can we just try to knock the pins down, knowing full well that we'll do it imperfectly, thus the bumpers. It's the grace of God to help us get where he intends us to go. But some of us, rather than pointing our way down here. Instead, we just keep slamming the ball straight into the bumpers. Like, ah, it doesn't really matter. I'll just do whatever I want to. God's grace, forgiveness, mercy doesn't really matter. And I say, God, God, would you bring conviction in our hearts? Areas in our life where maybe we're not pursuing what you want. See, following Christ is not a matter, I say it all the time, it's not of just happy, happy thoughts about Jesus. It's submission to Jesus. 
It's not just saying, God, you're, Jesus, you're my Lord. It is making you my Lord. Do I do it perfectly? No, because it's not my goodness that saves me. It's the, righteous, it's the righteousness of Christ. But, but if I am not actually submitting my life to him, I've not really put my faith in him. And so my challenge this morning is a very simple one, and it's this. It's repent. It's a word we don't really like all the time. Repent. What does that mean? It means to agree with God about our sin. We agree with it, and then we turn away from it. And so this morning, I just felt like as, we've, as we kind of wrap up this little mini-series within the bigger series, as we talk about righteousness, I want to give us an opportunity once again for the Holy Spirit to speak and to bring conviction in our hearts. Because I don't want to go through the motions. Many of you are church people. You come on a weekly basis, and I don't want to just go to church and then go about my business doing the normal stuff. I want to grow in my faith. I want to be more and more like Christ. I want to be shaped into his image. But to do that, it demands us constantly being open to the Holy Spirit's conviction in our heart. And to say, God, anytime you shine a light and expose something, God, I want to turn away from that. I want to acknowledge it's sin. I want to turn away from it, and I want to pursue you. And so I want to invite you to stand with me across the room this morning. And we're going to give an opportunity to respond. And I want to put up a list here. If you put this list up here, there's, these are the values that we talked about over the last few weeks. We talked about marriage, purity, reconciliation, truth, grace, forgiveness, love. And I want to give us an opportunity for a few moments to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts. Is there a person? Is there a situation? Is there a behavior that, that is outside of what God's call for righteousness is in our life? And we really allow the Holy Spirit to speak that to us. So over the next few moments, I'm going to give you an opportunity to have a moment with the Holy Spirit. Some of you may decide, you know what, I need, to, I, need to, I need to sit down and pray. Some of you may need to stand there. Some of you might want to get on your knees. Some of you might want to come to this altar. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to give you a moment to have a moment of repentance before the Lord. An acknowledgement, God, this is sin, and I want to turn away from this. And I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. And in a moment, I'm going to... I'm going to uh, pray a closing prayer, but I want to just invite his presence right now. So would you join with me in prayer? God, God, we pray over the next moment as we have an opportunity to just respond to you. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't just be hearers of the word, but we would be doers. And part of doing is acknowledging when we've been outside of your desire. And so God, I pray that you would right now bring conviction of sin to our hearts. Bring an understanding of your, what you're calling us, what you're asking of us. Would you do that in our hearts? Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to give you about a minute or two just to, to respond and have a moment with God, and then the team is going to close with a, a responsive song.
out these doors today. God, I pray that we would live in truth. God, that the words of our mouth would speak truth. God, they would be reliable. They would be trustworthy, God. As an act of worship, one of our greatest acts of worship is to honor you that way, God. God, I pray that we wouldn't be those looking to fight back, looking to prove our way. God, may we be people of grace and forgiveness. God, may we be extravagant with the way that we forgive and love others. And then, God, may our love not be built on how we feel about someone, but, God, that we would love others the way you have loved us. God, that we fail, and yet you love and pursue us. And, God, despite what others do, God, may we love and care for them. May we we desire good for them. And, Lord, those people who have hurt us, maybe those people that we still get frustrated by, God, I pray that you would give us the courage to pray blessing over them this week. Father, the, the situations that that feel overwhelming, God, may we trust in you in those areas, Lord. God, may we look different for your glory. And Lord, I pray that we would experience the freedom of your kingdom. God, and we're invited into your kingdom to live out your Zoe life, but it requires us to live different. And God, I pray as we live different, we would experience your goodness, your favor in our lives and our families. God, I pray blessing over this group today. God, I pray for every family, every home. Every individual, God, may your grace be with them this week. May your love be all over them, God. May they sense your spirit leading and guiding them. Those who need wisdom, I pray that you would guide them. God, those who just need uh, an encouragement, God, speak life into them, we pray. God, I pray we live this out for your glory. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Amen. I'm gonna invite our prayer team forward. If you're here this morning, you need somebody to pray with you. Please don't head this way. Come this way. Allow them to pray with you. Otherwise, let's go live this out this week, guys. We'll see you back next Sunday as we talk about what is prayer and how can we dig deeper in our prayer lives. Love you guys.